Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. One of my favorite quotes when it comes to competition is this. The will to win is not nearly as important as the will to prepare to win. I'm not sure which coach said that, but that is so true, isn't it? Everybody says they want to win, but who has the wherewithal to say, I'm going to prepare to win? I'm going to prepare to win. I'm going to prepare, I'm going to work, and I'm going to expect to win. Preparation is everything. There is a reason why the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. You and I must be prepared, whether it's in life, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's getting our homework done as students and especially when it comes to eternity, being prepared to meet our Maker. And even in this life, living the Christian life, following Jesus, we need to be prepared for this journey of following Jesus and growing in spiritual maturity. Ran across a story the other day. In 1845, 138 of the finest English sailors sailed uh, for the Arctic from the British coast. Their objective was to chart a northwest passage around the Canadian Arctic to the Pacific Ocean. The captain, Sir John Franklin, hoped this effort would be a turning point in exploring the Arctic. History shows that it was, but it wasn't because of success. It was because of their failure. You see, the voyage and the crew, uh, the crew was unprepared for this journey. Though the voyage was projected to last two or three years, he only carried a 12-day supply of coal. But what he lacked in fuel, he made up for entertainment. They had uh, brought all kinds of stuff to entertain themselves with, but they were ill-prepared for the journey. And the result, the ship never returned. Every crew member, all 138 of them, died. And the lesson from that story is we must prepare for the journey. You know, God has given us his word. It is like a map. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is like a compass. And if we will seek the Lord through his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he can lead us. He can guide us. He can direct us. And he will help us to be prepared for whatever we might face in the future as long as we have him We have everything we need. Look, if you will, in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, we'll stop there for just a moment. Paul is talking to the congregation at Colossae. He's talking to believers, and he's reminding them of what Christ has done in their life, and he's pointing them to this great glorious future that they're going to have when they're with Jesus someday forever and ever. But until then... And because of that, he grabs them by the chin and he says, Listen, I want you to set your minds on things above. 
I don't want you to get so consumed with what's going on around you that you forget what you have to look forward to someday. Set your minds on things above. And when Christ appears, you will appear with Him in glory. What an awesome thing. So let me ask you something. What is your ultimate moment? Let's, let's ask that question for a moment. What is your ultimate moment? Now, you're probably thinking of ultimate moment as something that you're really looking forward to. You know, if you're, if you're a student right now, you're saying, boy, I can't wait to graduate. If you're competing right now, you might say, I can't wait to win the championship or cross the finish line. Uh, you might say, I can't wait to get married someday, or I can't wait to have a family, or I can't wait to be successful. I can't wait to have all the things that I, I'm dreaming about that someday I might have. But that's not the question I'm asking. As a Christian, I'm saying, what is your ultimate moment? And the answer to that question is this. The ultimate moment for a Christian is when someday, one day, you are with Jesus forever and ever with Him in glory. Now think about that. If that is our ultimate moment, then why don't we get locked in? Why don't we get really focused on that? And let's not worry about all these things that you and I deal with week in and week out, month after month, year after year. I mean, I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm saying let's get our focus so sharp that we don't lose sight of the future that we're going to have with Him in glory someday. Let's lock in on it. Let's focus in on it. And let's see how knowing that really lifts us to another level in our walk with God. Because of that reality, because of that ultimate moment that you and I are going to have someday when we're with Him in glory forever and ever, amen, there's something that Paul has to say to us. And he says there in verse 5, therefore. In other words, get that ultimate moment in your mind. Picture just what it will be like someday to be with Jesus face to face, to, to have Him by your side literally and to be with Him in glory and never have to worry about anything ever, ever again. Imagine that moment and now work backwards to where you are now and say, hey, therefore, as Paul says, put to death what belongs to your earthly, earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ there's not Jew and Greek, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. What an awesome thing he's saying. He's saying, look, when you have this uh, picture of what it's going to be like when you're with Him forever and ever, amen, then... That changes your perspective in the now, in the moment. And what it, what it calls us to do, it's a call to action to do two things. Number one, to put to death. Notice he says there in verse 6, he says, because of these things, 
sins that come from our earthly nature. God's wrath is coming on those that are disobedient. And he reminds us in verse 7, And you once walked like this. You and I, we all have been there. We used to live that way. We used to live for ourselves. We, spoke, we used to live for this life. We, we did what we wanted to do, however we pleased. But that's in the past. That's the way we used to live. But now, he says, put all of that away. In other words, put it to death. Every Christian has Christ in their background, no matter, uh, or every Christian has Christ in their life, no matter what their background is. I'll get that out in a second. You know, I um, had a friend one time, he kind of had a temper, and whenever he got fired up, he'd, he'd yeah, appeal to his Irish roots or hit to his, uh, to his uh, mom or to somebody, you know, in his family tree. That's just the, the way we are, he'd say. Uh, but can I tell you, we, we don't need to use that excuse. When it comes to following Jesus Christ, we're not to appeal to our earthly nature. Uh, instead, we're called to no longer live that way anymore, to put off the old self there in verse 9, and verse 10, to put on the new self and be renewed. And he says in verse 11, in Christ there's not Greek, Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. Isn't that beautiful how God can come in to your life and He can change your life. He can change all kinds of people from all different walks of life, all kinds of different backgrounds and experiences. And then when they come to Christ, they can't say, well, Lord, I would do that, but you know my background. You know how I was raised. You know my family. You know this. That is not an excuse. Christ is all and is in all. And we are leaving that earthly nature behind. And we are putting to death that old self and all its practices. And we're putting on the new. And then, look if you will, in verse 12. He says, therefore, again, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another just as the Lord has forgiven you so you are also to forgive above all put on love which is the perfect bond of unity and let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in, in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Not only are we to put to death our old self, we're to put on the new self, created to be like God. And it says that we'll experience the peace of Christ in our hearts. We will have the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly, and we will do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. What an awesome way to live. That is what he's calling us to do. So my question to you today is this. In order to prepare for this journey of spiritual maturity, you need to learn three skills. Three skills. Number one, a vision for following Jesus. A vision for following Jesus. I don't know if you've ever read the book, but the book that I'm fixing to mention to you is the most popular book outside of the Bible. You know what it is? It was written by a man named John Bunyan, and it's called Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress is a very popular book historically, 
is still being read and studied today. John Bunyan was a Christian. He was put in prison because of his faith. And while he was there, he wrote this book, Pilgrim's Progress. What is it? It's an allegory of a man. Uh, I forget how he started out, but whatever the man's name is, he ultimately comes to Christ, and now he's called Christian. And the book is about this pilgrim who becomes a Christian and how he's on the road to the holy city. And as you read the allegory, he encounters all kinds of circumstances. He, he encounters all kinds of characters along the way. And uh, it's a very powerful story about all the things that you and I may deal with in life and particularly in the Christian life as we look forward to getting to heaven someday. And uh, when you think about that uh, story, what makes uh, Pilgrim's Progress so powerful, in my opinion, is it paints this picture, it tells this story, it captures your imagination, and, it, and what happens is this pilgrim who becomes a Christian becomes fixed on this vision of one day I am going to be in the holy city. One day I'm going to be there and I'm going to see my master and I'm going to see my Lord. And you know what? He never lost sight of that. He kept that sense of vision directly in front of him. It became his heartbeat, if you will. He was passionate about one of these days I'm going to make it to the holy city. One of these days I'm going to be there and I'm going to see him face to face. And guess what? That's what you and I need to learn. We need to have a vision of following Christ, of trusting Christ. I think if truth was told, uh, I think sometimes people have good intentions. Well, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to ask him to come in my life. And then they set off on the journey. And then when things happen that they don't expect, when they encounter stuff in life that they really didn't, quote, sign up for, then they become discouraged. Sometimes they blame God. And then they say, well, if that's, if that's what this is about, I'm done. That's why you need a vision of Christ. That's why you need a vision of following Christ. When you see who He is, when you realize how much He loves you, when you realize what all He has done for you and me, then that settles a lot of things. I mean, there's nothing that can come up that, that it might challenge that, might test that. We were talking in Sunday school this morning. We mentioned Job and how Job, think about Job. He, he lost it all, and yet he still trusted God, and he still loved God. And in the end, it all worked out, of course, for Job. But here's the point. Sometimes we might experience things in life. We might go through things that we don't understand. But if you have settled certain things in your life, if you've, if you've settled certain convictions in your life, if you have a clear vision of who God is and how much He loves you and what He's done for you, then when you have to walk through the dark valleys, when you have to go through the low moments in life and you begin to have your questions, you won't be threatened by the questions because we need a tested faith. We need a faith that can withstand the doubt. We need a faith that can withstand the hard times. So have a vision of following Christ. And that's what Paul did before he talked about putting on and putting off. He said, listen, you have been raised with Christ. 
You are seated with him. Uh, and, and you need to seek the things that are above. You need to set your mind on the things that are above. You need to realize that he di- you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When you have a clear vision of who he is and what he's done, that settles so many things. So I encourage you today. That's one reason why we need to read our Bibles daily. That's one reason why it's so important to keep a consistent prayer life. That's another reason why it's so important to attend weekly worship with a congregation of believers. Why? Because all of those things that we know we should do really support this point of having a vision of following Jesus, of being Christian, the pilgrim who becomes Christian and says, look, I know that I'm not there yet. I know I'm on this journey. I know that there's highs and lows and ups and downs. And I find questionable characters. I find uh, confusing circumstances. I have to go through all kinds of experiences. But this I know. I know the one that I love. I know the one who has saved me and bought me. And I know that someday I'm going to be with him in glory. And you never lose sight of that vision. You keep that front and center following Jesus. That's the first thing we must learn is a vision for following Jesus. Number two, put off sinful practices. You see, if you're going to be prepared for the journey of spiritual maturity, not only do you need to have a vision for following Jesus, but once you begin to have this vision of following Jesus, then you're going to realize what you've got to discard to keep following Jesus. Uh, I, I remember uh, the great hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full Into His Face, and the things of this world, what? Grow strangely dim, right? And so as you begin to get a clear vision of Jesus, and you begin to follow Him and love Him and pursue Him, you're going to realize almost, almost immediately what you've got to get rid of, the things that are going to hinder you from following him completely and fully. And so you have to put off sinful practices. That's exactly what Paul wanted them to know. See, here's the thing. Before Paul stood up and said, you got stuff in your life that needs to go. All right, come on down here. Let's get rid of it now. Before he even did that, he painted this picture of who God is, what he's done in their life, and he says, hey, Do you realize Jesus loves you? Do you realize that he died on the cross for you? Do you realize how good God is? Do you realize what he's done in your life? Do you realize how you're going to have this wonderful future and glory with him? Get the picture now. What are you willing to do to get rid of the things that are going to hinder you from enjoying that? Not only then, but enjoying it now. Because I know Christ and I follow Christ and I can look forward to that day now. I can live for Him in light of that day now. And in order to do that, I've got to get rid of some things that are going to hinder it. I've got to get rid of some things that are coming between me and Christ. As He said, you once used to live this way. You used to do those things. But now, get rid of it. Put it all away. Put it away. And put on the new self. Put off the old self. Put off sinful practices. You know, when you talk to people that go through recovery, uh, whether it be drugs, alcohol, or anything else, they have to have a reason why. They can't just say, well, I know I need to quit. I should stop doing this. That's not going to be enough. 
They've got to have this big reason, why should I do this? Does anybody care? Usually what, what usually the biggest why is uh, their own personal well-being, their family and those that love them the most, and if they know the Lord, obviously their relationship with God. And those are really big whys, and those are good enough reasons to. But if you don't have those whys, if you don't have those reasons, just doing something because I'm supposed to usually doesn't work. That's why Paul started with the vision of following Jesus, and then he shifts to putting off sinful practices. What is it in your life right now that you need to put off? I, I would dare say every single one of us needs to put something off. You know, I have found that, as Brother Danny was saying, you get up, there's a new day, you put on some new clothes, it's a good feeling. You feel good, you look good. I'm assuming that you've showered, you've shaved, you've done all those things, you've got on some new clothes, you go out into the world, you're ready to go. But what happens by the end of the day? By the end of the day, maybe you've got a stain on your shirt, you've worked hard a little bit, maybe you are a little sweaty and smelly. In other words, by the time tomorrow morning comes, what do you got to do? You've got to put those old clothes off before you can put the new ones on. And you and I, as we go into this world and we seek to follow Christ, every single day we've got to stay close enough to Christ that when we realize we've got to put something off, we've got to put it off. We've got to put off sinful practices that come between us and God. And then the third thing, we've got to clothe ourselves with Christ. Notice there he says in verse 10, put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. And then he talks about being in Christ and Christ is all and is in all. And then he says, you know, put on all these qualities. And he mentions the peace of Christ and the word of Christ and doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bottom line, he's talking about clothing yourselves in the new man that new man that's created to be like Jesus, clothe yourselves with Christ. I want to give you one more Bible verse. Look, if you will, in Romans 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. In Romans 13, verse 11, Paul is talking about the same thing to a different group of people, a different congregation. And here's what he says in Romans 13, 11. Besides this, since you know the time, it's already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh now here's what we tend to do well we, we we struggle in our lives and we go man I've got this habit I really need to overcome it I just need to quit I just need to stop and so we try to stop and and that's the problem we're the ones trying to stop it's all depending on our willpower, our determination. And when we run out of willpower and determination, then what? Well, then we're done for. And so here we see the, the truth, the two sides of the coin coming together. Every time the scripture says to put off, it also says to put on. 
And you and I must do the same. In order to put off these sinful practices, we must clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. We put on the new man that's created to be like Jesus Christ. We clothe ourselves in Him. When you realize that Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Deny and die. In other words, we've got to not only deny ourselves, we've got to die to ourselves. That's what a cross was. A cross was an instrument of death. The cross was equivalent to today's um, uh, when they you know, electrocute them and stuff. And so here we realize that we must not only deny to ourselves, but we must die to ourselves, and that must happen before we follow Jesus. You and I must have this clear vision of Christ. We must put off the old man in order to be clothed in Jesus Christ. What is it that God wants you to do today? You know, if we spent time on every one of these details this morning, it would uh, reach every one of us, wouldn't it? Uh, there's so many sermons in this passage. I chose to give you the the principle of having a vision of Christ, putting off the old man and being clothed in Christ, the new man that's called to be like Jesus. That's the process. That's the lesson that we've all got to learn. But he talks about anger. He talks about malice. He talks about slander. He talks about filthy language. He talks about immorality. He talks about idolatry. He talks about forgiveness or the lack thereof. In other words, what is it in your life right now that you need to put off and that way it will no longer come between you and Jesus Christ. It will no longer interfere with your walk with God. But it's not enough just to stop doing it. You've got to clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. You've got to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to do that new thing in you so you can keep moving forward in your walk with Christ. You can't, as Brother Danny just said, you can't just take the new and put it over the old and hope nobody smells you. You've got to deal with the issues in your life. Put them off. Give them to God and embrace what God is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and, and the presence and the promises of the Scripture and see what God is going to do in you next. I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are in this journey of spiritual maturity, I want to ask you, are you prepared for the journey? Because no matter how long you've known the Lord, no matter how long you've been in church, when it comes to being prepared for the journey of Christian maturity, you've got to have that clear vision of Jesus. You've got to be willing to put off sinful practices. And I don't think it happens just one time. I think it's an ongoing experience. As you get closer to God, you'll realize there's something maybe in your life that you need to deal with. And He'll pinpoint it. He'll, he'll convict you. He'll correct you. And when He does, you've got to put that off. And then you've got to clothe yourselves in Christ and become more and more like Him every day. What is it today that the Lord wants you to put off, get, it, get rid of it, and leave it behind and clothe yourselves in Jesus so that you can be fully prepared for the journey that He's taking you on? And I want to tell you, it's worth every minute of it. It's worth every sacrifice. It's worth every step. Because someday, one day, we're going to be with Him in glory forever and ever. And never lose sight of that picture.
Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact a pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.